From KCRW, this is Greater L.A., the show that connects you to the people and places of Southern California. I'm Steve Chiatakis. L.A. County search and rescue crews are in Turkey today digging through rubble and helping in an international effort to find any miraculous survivors after a 7.8 magnitude earthquake hit earlier this week. Their mission is made more complicated by the sheer magnitude of the event and the environment. The issue of uh, aftershocks and secondary collapses, it's the issue of uh, there's, a, there's a climate issue, it's cold, uh, there's, uh, I mean, it's a disaster. That's L.A. County Fire Deputy Chief Thomas Ewald speaking right before at least 80 members of their crew got on a plane to the region. So far, more than 11,000 people have died in Turkey and Syria. In addition to physical support, countries and aid organizations from around the world have pledged all kinds of help, including groups here in L.A., like the Association of Turkish Americans of Southern California, ATASC. They are gathering supplies and money to send to folks on the ground inside Turkey. Nila Nyland is the former president of ATASC and is currently coordinating the organization's aid efforts. And Nila joins us right now. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Yeah, I really appreciate reaching out to us. It's very, very touching to our heart right now. How are things inside of Turkey? Have you been communicating? Have you been able to communicate with with friends and family there in Turkey? And what are you hearing from them? Yes, uh, I am reach. I I reach out to my family. Of course, they are far from the epicenter, but we have many friends. They are relatives are in Turkey in the epicenter area in earthquake zone. Some of them are under rubble. Some of them they can't even. They don't even know the situation. It is a extreme extreme condition right now. Nila, as as a Turkish American, I imagine this is a very tough time for you and and for the rest of of the community as well, certainly your family and friends. I mean, how are you holding up and and how are the others holding up inside Turkey? Right now, uh, I think there is even no time for grieving. We are just pushing all our efforts to collect the money, fund and goods, donation and send it to Turkey and uh, send it to a uh, right uh, place. And uh, so this is the reason we are pushing right now. I want to put it in perspective because a lot of people here in Southern California, we we certainly remember the big earthquake in 1994 here. It was a 6.7 in Northridge, centered in the in the San Fernando Valley. This earthquake, the 7.8, the initial one that struck uh, earlier this week, was 12 times stronger. And, you know, you see the collapsing buildings. You see... Um, just the chaos there on the streets. I mean, what what is your organization doing to support relief efforts there? You're gathering things and supplies. I can imagine how difficult it is to get those supplies and those relief efforts to the, the area, right? Um, actually, right now, we are, uh, as an organization, we are in contact with the nationwide other Turkish-American organization, Turkish consulates in the cities, and Turkish embassy. And right now we are collecting funds and we are also asking uh, goods like sleeping bags, hand warmers, warm winter clothes to donate to LA consulate right now. And we have a multiple drop-off locations in Southern California. And But uh, uh, last stop is the Turkish consulate. Anybody can drop their, their materials. And the Turkish Airlines is actually transferring the materials to Turkey since uh, yesterday. 
Okay, just to reiterate that if if you have a way to donate or cold weather clothing, things like that, money, um, Turkish embassy, Turkish consulate here in L.A., correct? Actually, for if you want to donate goods like a sleeping bags, hand warmers, warm winter clothing, and these are you can drop to a Turkish Los Angeles Turkish consulate. You can drop it. And if you need to donate, if you want to donate the uh, financially, you can come to atasc.org and we set up a donation link and we are collecting funds right now. The Turkish consulate is where here in L.A.? They're in uh, L.A., 8500 uh, Wilshire Boulevard. 8500 Wilshire Boulevard in, in West L.A. Nila, how large is L.A.'s Turkish population? I mean, more than 60,000, maybe under 100,000 in Southern California. So it's a large it's a large community here. Yes, it's a large community. It's a rapidly growing community. And we are a tight-knit community. Of course, we all have loved ones in Turkey. And um, the communities here, mostly um, they are highly educated people. So they're contributing this community dearly. And also we are dearly, I mean, very, very happy, very emotional right now with the uh, LA firefighters that uh, they deployed to Turkey. Uh, It will be in our heart forever. What do you think people here in LA should know about the the Turkish community here um, that, that maybe they don't know? We are a very friendly people. As I said, they're highly educated in this part of the country. They are open-minded. Um, they have a high, uh, they are very uh, hospital people. And they, we love getting together. I mean, uh, we would like to engage uh, and we are part of this community. We love being in, uh, especially in Los Angeles. And the, so I am really asking uh, donation goods or the uh, financial donations to our organizations. And also one thing I want to call for the large pharmaceutical companies, we need medical supply. And again, the, 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 the best way to do that, the Turkish consulate, 8500 Wilshire Boulevard in West L.A., but also you can get in touch with ATASC as well, atasc.org. Yes, well, thank you so much, Neela Nyland. My my thoughts, obviously, and, and our prayers to you and to your family and friends in Turkey and to all the Turkish people, the Syrian people as well. Neela Nyland, the former president of the Association of Turkish Americans of Southern California, helping to coordinate local relief efforts. Thank you so much, Neela. Thank you so much. Uh, it's really, it means a lot to us. Thank you so much. Introducing the KCRW Donation Car, designed to be recycled. This first-of-its-kind vehicle will save you time, space, and hassle by disappearing. Enjoy the luxury and comfort of turning your underused car into a donation worth hundreds, even thousands of dollars. The KCRW Donation Car, already in your garage, driveway, or on cinder blocks outside your house. Act now at kcrw.com cars. Well, it happens every time there are devastating earthquakes in another country like Turkey and Syria, or even a minor tembler here in California, like the jolting then rolling shaker that happened in L.A. just a couple of weeks ago. The dread? Is the big one coming? Am I prepared? Unfortunately, the answers to those questions are yes, and for a lot of folks, 
probably not prepared, or at least not fully prepared. And you're not alone, but maybe it would help to understand why you, and collectively as a society, we may not be prepared. Sarah K. McBride is social science coordinator for ShakeAlert. That's an app that tries to give you some kind of advanced warning of an earthquake, only seconds sometimes. It's part of the U.S. Geological Survey, the USGS as we know it. Hi, Sarah. Hey, how's it going? It's okay. Um, Our hearts, of course, to those in Turkey and Syria recovering from this. But, I mean, before we get to the psychology and preparation of it all, how, how is the technology behind ShakeAlert? Is it working? Because I didn't get an alert when we had the 4.2 here in L.A. that woke me up on January 25th. Well, the technology is working pretty well. Uh, There were a lot of people that were alerted for the Ferndale earthquake, which happened in December. And sometimes you won't get alerted if it doesn't meet the threshold for alerts, right? It has to be of a certain magnitude and and which estimates a certain amount of shaking, and then you're going to get an alert. So you might feel shaking and still not get an alert if it doesn't meet the threshold for alerting. You work on something called the knowledge behavior gap. What is it and how does it apply to an earthquake? So the knowledge behavior gap is this is this thing that we have noted that especially when it comes to issues of risk, that people have actually pretty high awareness of what their risks are. And they can even, you know, quantify it or or understand how bad something's going to be pretty well. But just because someone's knowledgeable or have awareness of a situation doesn't mean they're necessarily going to take action to mitigate or reduce the harm from that risk. So we call that issue the knowledge behavior gap that people know, but they don't do anything about it. Um, And that's really quite a challenge, right? Because with scientists, what we sit there, especially, you know, physical scientists are sitting there going, we're going to give people information. And what they do with that information is up to them, right? Here's the information, go and prepare. But the number one reason why researchers have figured out why people don't take action to mitigate against earthquakes is basically they're busy. They have many, many risks they're looking at. We're in a very risk oriented society right now where everything seems, I think, pretty dangerous. And people are constantly doing things to mitigate their risks. And then we add another thing on top of that, like earthquakes, which seem in and and are incredibly, can be incredibly scary. And people go into also a state of fatalism. They look at earthquakes and they see the images from overseas and they go, There's nothing I can do to improve my behavior. It's going to be terrible. So I'm just going to live my life the way it is, and I'll deal with it when it happens. And then the building codes, right? That's another thing. You look at Turkey and Syria, and you say to yourself, well, all right, I live in Southern California. Maybe the building codes are better here. But then we had reports, you know, like... Gosh, how long ago, 10 years ago, eight years ago, something like that, where the city looked at thousands of buildings across Southern California that weren't even reinforced for for a major earthquake, right? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure entirely what report you're talking about, but I think when it comes to earthquake I, earthquakes, I would never get too smug right? Um, in in terms of building codes. You know, I think building codes are absolutely essential. I think we do have really good building codes in California, but I don't think that that should make us sort of go, okay, well, we don't have to prepare personally, or we don't have to consider insurance or other things because our building codes are going to protect us. I think it is always a good idea to be personally prepared uh, for earthquakes. Obviously, have as much warning as you possibly can, even if it's just a few seconds, but also 
um, and, and have the mentality for it as well. If I'm in a, in a place, I mean, this is something that I think about, you know, like any time I'm at a stoplight under an overpass, I think, is this the time? How am I going to get out of this situation if I feel shaking happen, right? Or if it's in the middle of the night and I'm, I'm lying in bed, how am I going to handle the situation? But also to have a kit, right? To have something prepared and ready to go just in case. Well, the first thing you mentioned is really important, which is learning what protective actions you should take, what methods are more successful in terms of personal protective action and what what isn't. You're twice as likely to be injured during shaking if you're moving, right? So because the ground is unsteady and things are falling around, you want to really limit your movement. So let's say you're in bed. The best advice really is to stay in bed, cover your head, you know, crouch in, protect your vital organs as best you can, um, but don't move out of bed. Don't try to get out of bed is a really critical one to do. Um, If you're driving, slow down as much as you can, as safely as you can, and try to go to the side as quickly as you can so you don't cause any kind of traffic accidents along the way. And I think you thinking about, hey, what am I going to do in this situation is exactly what you should be doing. It's your putting a scenario in your head. And the only thing I would encourage people to do is actually try it out. You know, if you're in your house and or in another environment, practice it because what practicing does is it builds what's called procedural knowledge. Some people call it muscle memory, but a procedural knowledge is this basically you do a procedure and you're you don't really need to think about it. The procedure's already done. It's like when you have driven to work and you don't really remember the drive. You just kind of <laughs> roll up to work and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm at work, right? You're on autopilot, right? You're, yeah, you're on autopilot, yeah. right? That's exactly the process is that you don't want to have to do a lot of thinking because you have such a short period of time to take action to improve your situation during shaking. You just don't want to have to think about it. Sarah K. McBride, Social Science Coordinator for Shake Alert, part of the U.S. Geological Survey. Sarah, thanks for coming on and and talking with us about it. Thank you for having me. Coming up, you listen in the car or at the house or maybe on a smartphone or computer. Meet a guy in Hermosa Beach who listens at a table to you, to anybody near the beach. That's yours on Greater LA. And it's yours right after this. All right, continuing on now with Greater L.A. from KCRW. Thanks for listening. I'm Steve Chiotakis. It's a beautiful day, about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I've got two and a half hours in the parking meter. Orly Israel is setting up for a day's work next to the jogging path at Hermosa Beach. He props up a folding table with four handwritten signs taped to the table's edges. One sign says, here to listen, and the other says, no judgment, no advice, no charge. On the sides of the table, it says, want to be heard or want to be listened to. Orly calls this the listening table, a place where folks can come by, take a load off, and share what's on their mind. It's all part of his quest to figure out what makes a good listener and how to better connect with others. KCRW's Danielle Chiraguayo took a seat at the listening table recently, and she picks up the story from here. Orly Israel has spent dozens of his Saturday afternoons at this spot near the Hermosa Beach Pier. And this is table number 83. As passerbys stroll down the boardwalk or play a pickup game of beach volleyball, 
He lies here in wait. Uh, I don't try and beckon people over, and if someone wants to talk, they can sit down, and I will listen to them for as long as they would like to. Some people talk for five minutes, some people talk for an hour and a half. While on an afternoon run, Texas native Eric Olson catches a glimpse of Orly's table, reads the signs, and sits down. past few weeks have been really crazy. I'm a uh, chemical engineer. And for the next five minutes, Eric talks, uh, mostly about work. Um, I work in circular economy, so my job is to try to build a less or zero waste world and make recycling real, make it all work. He talks, he talks, and Orly sits quiet, listening, until Eric is done. That's all I got, man. That's all I got. I appreciate you sharing. Hopefully it's a uh, constructive event, not, not a complaint. Hey, man. I'm just glad you shared that you sat down. And then Eric seems confused. He sits waiting, expecting to hear more from Orly. How, do you, how are you going to tie this into listening? Well, I'm learning how to be a better listener. Okay. By sitting here. You know, and I'm learning how to, when you say something I relate to, to not, like, me asking all the questions I have in my mind would steer, would take what you're saying and just kind of throw it away. So, you know, I appreciate you coming by. And Absolutely. Absolutely. Good a, stuff. Thanks for you know, listening. If you ever, <laughs> it's a pleasure. <laughs> if you ever run by uh, the next X amount of times, maybe I'll be here. Who knows? And that's it. This is exactly what 28-year-old Orly Israel set out to do pay attention to anyone who wants it, and just listen. It's the opposite of what he says we usually do. I think the three things people normally do when someone shares something with them is tell them their opinion on it, tell them it's not that big a deal, or tell them something about themselves. And not a lot of time is having deep conversations or giving proper attention to something if someone shares something important. By essentially shutting up and listening... Orly places the power back into the hands of the person coming to him and being vulnerable. The inspiration behind his listening table first sparked as a teenager. And like in many families, tense discussions often transformed into arguments. Someone would say something, and then it just spins out. And it's, you didn't really mean that, but you said it. And now the other person hears what you said and not what you meant. And all of a sudden, a spiral happens. As an adult, Orly's worked for the past few years in TV development but he's become more and more interested in how people communicate. In 2021, he volunteered with Freedom to Choose, a prison program dedicated to facilitating mindful conversations through compassion. So how do they do it? Among other things, holding what looks a lot like a listening table. Orly took part in a few sessions, including one at the women's prison up in Chowchilla. At one workshop, Orly saw a sign that stuck with him ever since. On top, it read mad, Below that, hurt. And below that, love. And so the thought was basically, if you're feeling mad, it's probably because you're feeling hurt. And if you're feeling hurt, it's probably because something you love is being threatened. While that idea felt like common sense to Orly, he says the volunteer next to him had his mind blown. And I kind of sat for you know, X amount of time thinking, this program's amazing and it's only for people in prison? How is this possible? So many of us could use this that aren't in prison. So he decided to take those skills and set up his first listening table in November of 2021. He posted up across the street from El Segundo High School. I wanted to sit out in public and let a stranger talk to me and see, am I going to judge them? Am I going to want to give them advice? What do I want to get out of this? And let those feelings come up and recognize them inside and then put them over to the side. A few weeks later, he was talking about the table with a family friend, 
who suggested he volunteer with the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. It's there that Orly learned another skill. It's what Jen Kim, a shift supervisor at the Suicide Hotline who trains new volunteers, calls sitting in the dark. So sitting in the dark is like, instead of being like, oh, let's not talk about that. You know, that sounds like such a painful experience. I don't want to make you feel worse, right? Instead of trying to take that conversation to a positive place, is to really lean into the dark place. Leaning into the dark place also involves asking hard questions to explore where the other person is coming from. He gives an example of a caller who's being bullied. What do you mean by someone bullying you? What do they do, right? What do they say? Like, they make you feel bad about yourself? Like, what's... What's an example of something they said recently that made you feel bad about yourself? Sometimes the, the, the person going through something, like they, they're able to express themselves well. And in, in that case, like we just, you just take the back seat. When Orly kicked off his listening table project, he started posting reflections of each session. And eventually, videos of interactions he found especially enlightening. And the Internet noticed. Now nearly 100,000 people follow him on Instagram. With so much time invested in listening, you kind of have to wonder, isn't what he's doing, sitting and listening to the good, the bad, and the ugly of people's lives, doing a therapist's job without the pay? Well? Being a therapist seems like it's kind of exhausting. And it sounds like you sit around all day listening to people's problems. I don't know. Being a therapist seems really not that fun. And besides the lack of fun, Orly says becoming a therapist would be antithetical to what he's trying to prove, that anyone can be a better listener. If I become one, I kind of become the opposite of what I'm trying to be, which is someone who's not a therapist or not a psychologist who can connect with people. I'm trying to say, like, you don't have to be a therapist or a psychologist to be able to have a great conversation with a family or friend or be there for someone who needs you. He argues that we're all experts, but we don't even know it yet. Everyone has these tools built in. They're masters at it. And I think that makes it really accessible for people to say, look, you're already a master at this. You just don't know how to use it as well as you can. These days, Orly is looking to get the listening table out on the road. And he's working on adapting the table into a new hotline where anyone can volunteer or call in to listen. For KCRW, I'm Danielle Chiriguayo. That's going to do it for us today. You just heard about listening. But before you leave us, I'd like to share with you a word about feeling. We lost a dear friend here at KCRW yesterday, as you may have heard. Our longtime DJ, music librarian, and historian, Eric J. Lawrence, left our realm, leaving behind a family. A family of friends, admirers, and listeners. He DJed on the air, on the radio station, at all kinds of hours, a lot of it after midnight, playing some of the most obscure and enlightening stuff any cone speaker could offer. And with it, nuggets of knowledge about what it meant and why they made it. Experimental pop band Animal Collective, who are celebrating the release of their latest album, Painting With. And for this incarnation of the group, we are joined... When I arrived at the station in 2011, Eric sat in a corner office when we were in the basement of the main Santa Monica College campus. Stacks of vinyl and CDs and grape soda cans and half-eaten plates of potato salad. And on the wall of his office was the street corner sign of Pico and Sepulveda, an ordinary West L.A. intersection that was apparently bigger than I knew. He explained to me why the decal on the wall and where it came from. And like he did for so many, he played it for me. 
this obscure tune smack in the middle of a movie called The Forbidden Zone that laid out a lot of L.A. lore. Felix Figueroa and his orchestra, Pico and Sepulveda. I learned so much from Eric, like about his love of the obscure and another dimension. He shared history with you and me a couple of years ago from the former lot where a TV studio filmed the famous show called The Twilight Zone. You know, it was a show that was, for me, in my generation, we got it in syndication when it would run here locally in uh, Los Angeles on Channel 5 at the lunch hour. Listen to how he describes one of my favorite episodes. I call it the Pig People episode. Of course, it was called something else. I can't remember. When Ellie Mae Clampett screamed into a mirror and the rest of the doctors showed their snouts. And Eric, of course, made it make sense for me. You see her, and she looks completely normal. And, of course, it's everybody else whose faces have been cleverly sort of disguised with shadows and from, from, the, uh, from the back. When you finally see revealed the doctors and nurses, they're the ones who are, quote-unquote, ugly. Few people and, had the skill uh, and patience yeah, and love okay. to want to not only learn more, but then explain more, show more, tell you more and a wonderfully simple, soft-spoken, yet knowledgeable friend, and Eric J. Lawrence. Godspeed to his family, who mourns today. We mourn. All of us. I'm Steve Chiotakis. Thanks for listening.